Welcome to The Turning Point, a podcast for any and all of us who are interested in education in sub-Saharan Africa. On this podcast, we'll be speaking with leaders, teachers and educators from all walks of life, but all of whom have a keen interest in the preparation of our next generations for an exciting future on the African continent. If you're interested in Africa taking its rightful place on the global education stage, or indeed simply interested in having a small window into this crucially important time in African education's history, join us on The Turning Point to hear what others have to say. Ntulisi Machakaile is a highly experienced school leader, having worked in both state and private education settings in several countries, including the UK and in some in Africa. He is the founding head of Sentinel Kabitaka School in Zambia, and currently still works in that capacity. In addition to his current position, Tulisi also chairs the Independent Schools Association of Zambia, also known as ISAS, and advocates for increased recognition of the independent education sector and the important work that they do in the context of sub-Saharan African education. Tulisi's main passion within education is the building of capacity for school leaders because he feels this is fundamental in driving positive change within the school. He joins us today to give us his perspective on the decolonizing of schools in Africa. Hi, Chuck. Welcome to the to, welcome to the Turning Point, the podcast where we discuss uh, really interesting developments in in um, in African education. And of course, today with you, we're talking about uh, what what it really means to have a, a decolonizing agenda. And so, I wondered, just by way of starting, um. What are your thoughts on the idea of education systems being positioned so that they service the needs of their countries? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, um, thanks for having me, Dave. And um, uh, thanks for, for putting me on this uh, podcast series. I think the ideal situation um, is for a country to, to prepare its... Um, using obviously its education system to prepare its youth um, to service the needs of the country. Of course, uh, you know, that's a fair assessment, but uh, I would say, and an understandable one, but I, I don't think in any way, shape or form that really encompasses all there is uh, to, to education systems. There's so much more uh, to education than labor force. Um, and uh, there are caveats, obviously, to the way anyone would would, would view what, what I've just said about servicing the needs of the country. So, for example, if we're saying there's so much more to education, um, it's not only about the academics. Uh, it, uh, most, uh, we will talk about uh, yeah, some fairly obvious examples. Uh, most sports person personalities would have um, emerged, for example, through school programs. Uh, most musicians would have uh, emerged from school music uh, programs. Same would apply to actors, etc. And uh, we really couldn't possibly call those um, a labor force in, in quite uh, uh, the way most people would mean it. I mean, in fact, when I think of labor force, I almost get uh, the impression of, uh, of uh, a communist state. 
you know, that we pushing you through this system in order to come out on the other side as uh, good citizens who will obey uh, the laws of this country and will, uh, you know, uh, serve the country for whatever needs they are in that particular country. We're a global village now. Uh, and uh, for a country to think that it's producing students or it's producing um, uh, quite, it's, it's, it's bringing uh, children through its education system or students through its education system solely to serve that country, um, I don't think works at all. Look at you and I. Um, you were born in South Africa. Uh, you're, uh, you've worked for a long time uh, in um, in other parts of Africa, and you're currently living uh, in the UK. I was born in Zimbabwe, uh, lived and worked in South Africa, the UK, Nigeria, a very short time in Saudi, and here I am in Zambia for the last 10 years. I certainly wasn't produced by my country to serve my country. Um, so we, we need to bear in mind now that we're a global village and that uh, the mobility of labor has never been uh, a, a, as prominent a, a, an issue as it is now. So anyone who's coming through that system, uh, through any educational system, um, could very easily end up elsewhere. Education systems as well, uh, I'm afraid, can be, uh, can be abused. Uh, I, I speak as as one who certainly feels that uh, there was a lot of indoctrination in my in my education, uh, which which had me thinking in a certain way. I'll give you uh, the example of uh, I went to a Catholic school for quite uh, a bit of my time, and whilst my views on religion and Christianity in particular have changed, uh, they 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 change with almost a fear at the back of my mind that at any moment I could be struck down or whatever the case might be. I think anyone's fear of the dark uh, is probably got to do with uh, with one kind of religious jinn or other um, who's out there, you know, hiding behind, uh, behind a tree or behind the curtains or under the bed. Uh, so education systems can uh, actually be used um, for indoctrination and... Um, that, that they, they can be a danger in that. So if we go back to what the purpose of education is, it's manifold, but the reasons are myriad. Uh, we need to prepare our children for the world out there. In whatever way um, that world manifests itself, we just have to prepare our children for it, is I think the best way of putting it. The education system uh, can never, in any country, I, I, I don't care where, can never meet the needs of every single individual who's going through it. It can try, and uh, some some systems will get plaudits for what they do. Switzerland comes to mind, uh, and the way they preparing, um, you know, students for the work environment, uh, the apprenticeship programs they have running, uh, not only within you know mechanical boiler making that kind of thing or just pre but just preparing students for the workforce um is there something which uh you know um switzerland is 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 uh viewed as uh, as a beacon for that um but at the end of it all i think if we can just bear in mind that we're preparing ourselves our children rather 
for a future which we don't know. We we can guess at what it is, uh, and the 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 most we can do, or the least we can do, I'm not really sure which, is uh, just to prepare them with that understanding that the future is is going to change. I remember when we when there was uh, talk of preparing children for or preparing the current generation uh, for the future and a lot of talk was about IMT etc we just couldn't get our heads around it uh, those who got their hands around it uh, I think have done quite well for themselves um, sure. but uh, yeah so uh, you know um, I, I know now that you know your computer courses are a dime a dozen IT courses are a dime a dozen they're everywhere uh, so sometimes we're reacting, whereas in fact we shouldn't be reacting. So I think the role uh, and the purpose of an education system is prepare uh, that generation which is being educated not to react, or rather to be proactive about that as much as possible. I think I'll leave it there, or I could go on. Yeah, it's it's an extremely interesting topic, but it does make you think about sort of yeah. colonizing as a as a concept and the idea that systems in um, in Africa and many parts of the world were built up around uh, a kind of a global north ideal or the, the colonizing country's ideal of what uh, of, of how we educate children. That's right. So, so how do you think that how do we decolonize like how do you think we decolonize a school? What what is it that we should be focusing on that we can actually um you know okay I'll I'll, I'll give you an example. Hmm. There's, there's quite a lot of talk at the moment about how children, um, how countries in sub-Saharan Africa are ending up with a high unemployment rate once children leave school because the, the way that they've been through an education system has um, not prepared them effectively for what they what their futures are. But I'm, I'm trying to understand how that, how that works because we're in a global village, like you said, and... But then does the decolonizing mean that we're not appealing to the way that they need to learn? Or what, what are your thoughts? Um, you, you, you're absolutely right uh, about the fact that the way we're doing things right now, I can only say is probably, because I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, is probably uh, not quite what they need. And it, it's it's very clear from, from the... Uh, the, the economic situations of many um, African countries, uh, certainly the ones I've been to anyway, that, um, you know, there's simple things like, uh, you know, there's, there's a lack of self-sufficiency, uh, which which speaks to the fact that there's, we were still relying quite heavily on um, especially Western countries. And these days we can also speak about um, the East, um, for far too much of what I, I don't understand why we wouldn't be able to prepare ourselves for that. Uh, we've moved from being uh, from, from, from your traditional type of, co of colonialism, uh, I'm afraid, to neocolonialism uh, because, uh, you know, what we were moving away from or running away from whilst it's still there uh, is only being replaced when we do replace it by a new form of colonialism. Uh, the way um, we need to prepare our children for that and to decolonize uh, um, 
uh, our schools and and our educational systems is to to look inwards at what we actually need first and foremost uh, and not really be thinking in terms of um, far too often sorry I, I've cut my thoughts off there but far too often we find in ourselves um, preparing our children for non-existent uh, jobs and for non-existent occupations and uh, those are really a mirror of what happens in the West. My experience of, uh, of, of education is very heavily influenced by uh, the United Kingdom, by Great Britain, by the British Empire. And that is all my parents wanted me to do. They, they were looking towards, okay, fine, we're looking at getting uh, a lawyer, a barrister, or a solicitor, or, or an engineer out of, out of this guy. And nobody was really thinking, what does this country need? I know many guys who've been to school in South Africa, the United Kingdom, and America, who've got their law degrees, who've got their engineering degrees. At the very best, they have diversified and been successful in other things. At the worst, they're unemployed and beginning to think what a waste of time my education was. And that's because the view was we're preparing you, which we have always seen reflected by those who colonized us in the past. Unfortunately, uh, as I've already said, uh, colonialism is not dead. It's as alive and well and living in Africa. Yeah, and I think that's probably that's probably why the conversation about decolonizing schools is becoming so important. Because as you write, absolutely pointed out, uh, is that's yeah, decolonizing schools is becoming such an important feature. Um, yeah. As you rightly pointed out, so a lot of people are looking to the sort of global north and the job market as it exists there, and you know, making mm-hmm. apps look at what's needed closer to home. That's right. So, so if if we had to uh, take that thought and then extend it into what things might look like in the future, what what is your what's your take on that? Um, I'm asking you for your crystal ball here. My crystal ball is out, and uh, I've started applying uh, some policies within my own context, which I'm hoping will will change the way uh, my current cohort of students and I've, I've been here for almost 10 years now and i'm only doing this now unfortunately um so I, I'm, I'm trying my best to to position my students first of all to be entrepreneurial uh second of all to um maybe not relying so much on exporting raw materials but rather um, thinking in terms of how can we use what we have here rather than sending it out and having it sold back to us as complete products. Why don't we have an entire chain which eventually leads to the finished product and those products should leave from here. So that's the entrepreneurial part. And then most importantly for me, and it has been, uh, I, I think the Ukraine situation actually bears witness to this, is we are looking down our noses at the most important 
occupation for man, for humankind. That's agriculture. You've eaten. Whatever you've eaten today has come from a farm. You've ate it in, invariably. There's no way it's come from anywhere else. It has had to come from some kind of agricultural um, system. So I would, I'm, my crystal ball sees a situation where Africa begins to take advantage of its own resources, where Africa uh, looks to itself to moving things, um, moving products from the very getting them out of the ground, whether we're talking about fruit or crops or whatever the case might be, all the way through until they're actually being exported. And of course, ensuring that we are um, uh, looking after ourselves as well. Or indeed, if we're talking about the minerals coming out of the ground, there's absolutely nothing wrong with us looking to that. But that can't be something which will just materialize. It has to start at grassroots and it has to uh, to do with um, the revision of the, the education systems we have at the moment. We're pushing as much as possible to um, uh, sell the raw materials out uh, to, to whoever is willing to pay a good price for them in um, in, in in whatever country, whether it's the far east or the global north. Um, and we are forgetting that actually we can process these things and they can go up there. So we need to look to ourselves. I've been, I've, I was told on one or two occasions of um, schools in, um, in other parts of the country, which had very good agricultural programs, for example, go and have a look at what's happening there. And I got there, obviously the person who was talking about it or who had told me about it had been there maybe 10 years before. Because what I then saw when I um, uh, went to that place was uh, uh, that, you know, as we always do, we're looking down our noses at the very future of the continent, which is, which, which is agriculture. So, for example, uh, until two years ago, I didn't have uh, uh, agricultural science as an IGCSE option. We've brought it in. Um, when we brought boarding online here uh, at my school, um, we were buying all uh, our products in. And we're up in the northwest of Zambia, but I kid you not, our potatoes are from South Africa. Our onions are from South Africa. Sugar, etc., etc., is from South Africa. Uh, even the, uh, the, the squash etc. is from South Africa. If stuff isn't from South Africa, for example, the fish. I was shocked to learn that we don't produce enough fish in this country um, to feed our own population. We have to import them from Thailand and China, you know, which became a very important uh, issue for my wife. So uh, I'm going back to this. What my crystal ball is going to force through the fact that we need as much as possible to be pushing for those agricultural sciences and to be pushing that supply chain to actually leave for goods to leave our country processed. It's not going to be easy, but that's the only way we're going to survive. I can't believe that one country, just one country being invaded has um, affected oil, um, petrol, diesel, and wheat right across the globe. And look at where we sit. We're right at the bottom. Are we affected by what's going on up there? We need to be self-sufficient.
and and many people would say, of course, that flying food halfway across the world is is really not going to be sustainable in the long term anyway. Not sustainable, absolutely. Or shipping it, whichever yeah. case. Yeah. And I, I I love the fact that you raised the um, entrepreneurial side as well because yeah. it is my experience uh, uh, that African people are highly entrepreneurial. I mean, every every one of my staff members, when I every one of my um, uh, Malawian staff members, yeah, I uh, when I was when I was head of a school in 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 Malawi, uh, had a side hustle, you know. Yeah. It's the thing that people did, even if it was a small side hustle that came and went or whatever. There was always that sense of entrepreneurship going on, and uh, and it's and it's those skills that really are, are bringing the kind of the focus back to, yeah, like you said, you know, the production and the whole creation of these of these streams of production um, in in the host country. Well, that's yeah, and of course, one of the biggest things that we're shipping out at the moment, and uh, you know. Kind of colonial, uh, the old colonial education system. Yes, is our human capital. Um, oh, but absolutely. That's that's what you're there. there. Lies to the ground. Yeah, are going to go. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And th- there's, I think, this thinking, and, and that really needs to stop. That the epitome of success is if you're, you know, sitting in a dreary flat, in. Um, in 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 the in the global north because most of them i mean the weather where you are can be amazing um and then spending six months of the year not seeing the sun and that kind of thing that's the epitome of success and of course uh what you get is somebody uh going home for two weeks in, in august uh and uh you know giving this impression that you know it's it's a great and glorious world out there and that's the kind of life we all want for ourselves we know full well that uh, that's not exactly it. There is so much we can do within our own countries. If we could stop for a moment uh, and, um, you know, decolonize our minds in, in terms of, you know, we need to be out there. I mentioned that it's a global village. I didn't say, and I don't believe that we should be preparing our, our current uh, generation of students to be leaving um, Africa to go and uh, sell their services to the highest bid- bidder in the global north. In fact, far from it. I would rather that brain drain didn't happen at all, and those brains were used right here. Yeah, where? Mm-hmm. So, um, in uh, in October, the beginning of October, as you as yeah. you will be aware, we have the uh, the first uh, leading education change, the LEC conference, which has happened. Yes. Mm. And you and you're one of the keynote speakers at that. So it could yeah. give us um, a very very quick uh, snapshot of how your kind of story is going to be woven into what you're talking uh, about at the conference. I've I've, I've been fortunate enough uh, to to work in the, the global north, uh, a little bit of time in the Middle East and West Africa and Central Africa as well as Southern Africa. And uh, I, I think what, what, what I bring to, to the table eventually is my experience of all these different um, contexts. And uh, I, I think the most important thing for me, the most important message for me to my fellow heads 
at that conference is guess what? You're not alone. All the challenges you're facing right now are the challenges I've faced, whether I've been in West Africa, in Central Africa, in you know the United Kingdom, wherever I've worked, the same challenges you're facing, the same issues you're facing, to one extent or another, are exactly the same. So if I share those experiences and also share how I've dealt with some of those experiences, um, then I, I, I believe you know that 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 feeling of isolation, which any leader in whatever organization they're in may well be dispelled a little bit. Uh, it, it's um, it's lonely at the top. It, it really is. And uh, sometimes you do not get that opportunity uh, to, to bounce off anyone else around you because they don't really understand what you're going through. But if you're sitting across the table from a fellow head in whatever context they've come from, uh, then you're showing them that, look, uh, you might feel that, you know, the grass is greener on this side, but guess what? You and I are in exactly the same boat. And I think that message really needs to be clear. In addition to that, I would like to share the importance of an understanding of culture as it relates to um, leadership, especially school leadership. There is no school which is the same culturally. Uh, you cross a border, even countries just next door to each other, and you, it's like you're walking into a totally different environment. Um, although people may speak the same language. I've seen that when I cross uh, between um, uh, Bitebridge and Messina, the same language is spoken, but you look around and you realize that this is a totally different way of life, whichever direction you're moving in. And that contextual understanding, especially of the social cultural influences, is key to how we run our schools, is key to how we run our educational systems. Um, my doctoral thesis actually is about this, and it picks up on quite a few um, challenges which people face and some things, influences which people aren't even aware have an impact on the way they, they, they enact their leadership. I would like to share a little bit of that with, um, with, with, with uh, the conference here in October. It's going to be fascinating. I'm, I'm so looking forward to that and so looking forward to hearing you speak. And I'm sure that we're going to have a lot of people who would share that enthusiasm. Um, one final question. Uh, if you had a single line message to give out to all the schools in uh, in Africa, what would that message be? Okay, so this this sentence is actually um, a positive and a negative because it, it can be done both ways. Okay, I'm going to say just my one liner. It says you can do it with schools and teachers, and then you can also say. You can't do it without schools and teachers. There is no way yeah. you can possibly, you know. Um, look, everyone has to come through us at some point. Both such a crucial role, such a crucial, uh, pivotal role that I think schools will play in the future of Africa. Actually. Absolutely. And I think particularly at the moment, particularly after the pandemic, you know, has 
given us has opened our eyes to the use of technology as far as in education just given us opportunities actually in many yeah. ways that's right so I think that, there's a lot of wisdom in that line thank you for that well spoken um i that does bring to an end our our, our podcast chuck thanks very much for joining me um and it's it's been fascinating to hear you talk about your views of decolonizing education in Africa and, and, and the importance of education in general in Africa at this point. <laughs>